So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Now, the last time that we were together in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we we learned that God guided our guides our steps. Now, the scripture says that Ruth just happened to come to the field of Boaz. And we talked about that word happened, meaning divine providence. And the fact is that God was guiding Naomi and Ruth in particular, was guiding her steps to put her in the right position that she needed to be in. We also talked about our own lives. And sometimes we don't see God at work. Sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. But we have to cling to the fact that God is guiding our steps and that he will take care of us and he will minister to our needs. And then we found out in verses 4 through 7 that God is merciful. So behold, Ruth is in the field. Behold, Boaz shows up. He was a man of character, a man of wealth. Uh, He was a God-fearing man. You remember when he came upon his servants, he said, May the Lord be with you. And they said, May the Lord bless you. He was a man of substance. He was a man that was focused on God. And so he sees now Ruth there. And of course, there's the dialogue with his, uh, with his foreman. Now today, what we're going to learn is, and this is something that we all know. I, I get this, but I think it's good to be reminded of. And we see it come out here in the book of Ruth, and particularly in chapter 2 verses 8 through 13. Before we start, I want you to think of the word integration with this text. Integration. What's happening now is Ruth, who is a Moabite, an alien, an outsider, is slowly being integrated into the nation of Israel. Very, very clear here. So this is stuff that you all know. I know you know it. But we're going to look at it anyway. God meets our needs. And look at the provisions in verses 8 and 9. Now, then Boaz, in verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Listen, shama. Which means, listen, I want you to pay very careful attention to what I'm getting ready to tell you. Listen to me. In other words, he's trying to grab her attention. And he says, daughter. Okay, so when you think of daughter, you think of family. Here's the step. She is no longer now a foreigner. She's slowly inching into the nation of Israel. He says, my daughter. It also reveals the age difference as well. That's not going to matter in the end. We all know that. But for right now, we can see here that she is no longer just the Moabite woman who left everything to follow Naomi and wind up in Israel with nothing. She is now being identified as someone special. Now, he gives a prohibition here. He says, I don't want you to do this. Do not go, verse 8, do not go to glean in any other field or leave this one. That's a prohibition. If you could say it this way, don't even think about leaving this field. Why? Well, because Boaz's heart has been touched by this girl. And it, it will come out, we're going to go through this, and it will come out at the end. But he's saying, look, I don't even want you to think about going to another field. In fact, it was common 
for gleaners. As they were gleaning along, you had the men that were harvesting, the women, the, the servant women who were bundling these, wrapping them up, and then you had the gleaners. Well, when the field got harvested, some of these gleaners would just obviously go to another place to pick up. Boaz is telling her, do not do that. I want you to stay right here. I don't want you to move from it. But then he goes on to say this. Do not glean in any other field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Here's what's happening. A slow integration. You see that? I want you to stay close to my... I don't want you to be a gleaner. I don't see you that way now. I want you to stay close to my young women. So Boaz is having a personal dialogue with Ruth. This is actually the first time in the book that he's having a personal dialogue with her after he found out who she was and uh, word got back about her. So he's having a conversation with Ruth one-on-one. It's not through a mediator. It's just point-blank, face-to-face. Now, this was the system. The men would go out, and they would cut the grain. The women would then come and bundle it. Now, those were the Israelite servants. These would pick up the leftovers, and that's what Ruth was doing. She was bending down, picking up the leftovers, but this is all changing now. She's now told to follow this group. Wait a minute. Is this starting to become a change in social status? My argument is yes. She's now with these ladies. He says, I want you to stay close to these young women. Uh, These are my servants and I want you to now get in with that group you're no longer you you have left there's a there's a definite change in status this has to hit Ruth's heart because she she goes from just picking up this that and the other and getting what she can to take back to Naomi and take it and 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 try to make food out of it but now she is to stay close to the women who are part of the nation of Israel. That's fascinating. And it's got to be working on Ruth. She has to think how, and she'd learned this from Naomi. She had to have learned about, uh, about Yahweh from Naomi. And so this is hitting her heart. Again, think integration. And then Boaz says this, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. And go after them. The Hebrew translation would be this. Wherever the workers go, you go. Now, I remember Ruth saying to Naomi, this is the grace of God. Let me just tell you this. This is the grace of God. Do you remember when Ruth told Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Now Boaz is saying the same thing to Ruth. Wherever they go, you go. Mm. I think God is repaying Ruth. 
for her kindness. Let your eyes be in the field that they are reaping and go after them. Wherever the workers go, you go. You know, I, I thought about this, this this week. Do you know that we are workers in a, in a field too? Did you know that? And Jesus said, look, the fields are ripe for harvest. And so let me encourage all of us today to keep our eyes on the field that is before us. To take the opportunities to look at the bundles that are before us that we can possibly reach for, the, for Jesus Christ. To, to be diligent, to look at that. Just let our eyes stay focused. There's so many things in this world that takes our eyes off of the field. And we get caught up into it. And before long, we forget why we're even here to start with. We're here as a body of Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ. Our primary mission, first, is to worship God. But our second mission is to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. And I just happen to think about that when, when Boaz says, look, let your eyes be on this field. Don't be distracted. Don't be um, walking over here. I want you to stay wherever the workers are working, and I want you to work behind them. Hmm. It's our mission as a church, too, to keep the field before us, keep our eyes focused on it, and to keep moving forward. Now, this is an interesting next in verse 9 here. I, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? The word touch is naga. It has nine different meanings in the Hebrew. But I'm going to give you the four top, what I think could possibly be the meaning here. When he says, I have, have I not charged the young men? And by the word, the word charged means command. So Boaz is sitting there, and he's talking to his young male servants, and he says, you see this Moabite girl here? I do not want you to touch her. By the way, that's good advice for young men today, that you're to treat a woman with respect. That's very, very, very important. Real men do not touch women. They are respectful of them, and they treat them like, like a precious vessel. And so Boaz stands before his own men and he says, look, this Moabite woman, and for that matter, any woman, you do not touch them. Now, the, why would he say that? There's, well, like I said, there's four possible translations here. One is the word touch means to beat violently, which I find interesting. Or secondly, it could mean to inflict injury. Or thirdly, it could mean to harass. And fourthly, it can mean improper relationship. Now, if I'm looking at this from a theological standpoint, I would find it very difficult, and I didn't give you the other ones because I didn't think they were, they were applicable to what we're talking about. Uh, to beat violently, um, I probably wouldn't go that route because I, I don't think, number one, Boaz wouldn't have tolerated it, and it probably just wouldn't have happened. To inflict injury, possible, but what I really think is going on here is harassment with possibly the idea of uh, improper relationship. You can see it, right? The men are working, and by all accounts, Ruth was probably pretty, and you could see that these young men were, were working, and they might have a tendency to harass her. Or... It could be this direction. What is a Moabite doing in our field? 
You see which way you can go either, either, either way with this. What is this Moabite woman? Hey, get out of here. You're not part of us. You're not supposed to be in with the women workers. Get out of here. It could be both of those. And I think possibly um, it could mean the last two. That is harassment, improper relation. But what this says to me, not about Ruth, but about the workers, is that Boaz may have a problem on his hands. These young men obviously needed to be told this. Therefore, they may not be following the ways of Yahweh. But he does it, and he does it for protection. I, um, I like what Daniel Block says in his commentary. Boaz hereby is instituting the first anti-sexual harassment policy in the workplace recorded in the Bible. Men, I do not want you to touch this woman, and he would extend that, obviously, to any woman that is working in his field. In other words, Boaz is really an initiator and a radical thinker. Most, most people that own Phil, they didn't care what you did as long as you got the work done. Boaz was a man of God. He was a man of integrity. He wanted to play by Yahweh's rules, not by the rules of the world. And when we think about it that way, that's what we should be doing as well, that we should be people of, in, uh, of integrity. And so he's saying, I do not want you to act like the world acts. I don't want you to act like pagans act. I want you to treat these women with respect. Now, that's a, that's a guy that you could work for, right? Somebody that's watching out for you. And then in verse 9, we read this. And when you were thirsty, obviously working in the heat of the day, you would get thirsty and you're supposed to drink... Uh, well, they, scientists now say half of your weight in ounces. So mine would probably be something like uh, 70 ounces a day in water just to keep you hydrated. Um, so you're going to get thirsty. So Boaz says, look, I'm not only going to protect you. I think this is, this is correct. Boaz is now becoming... Naomi, or Ruth and Naomi's protector. Ruth in particular. So he says, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Oh boy. He is, uh, Boaz was awesome. He was really a radical thinker. Uh, first of all, because you have to know the you have to know the, the 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 biblical social understanding that goes behind this. Okay, it could have been something like 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 this that they were in pots that the that the that the men had had drawn, or it could have been most scholars believe goat skins that were hanging on trees and you just come in and get water out of the actual goat skin. They just pulled it off and made it a little portable water station where you could go in and, and get and get the water. If I had to guess, it would probably have been something like, like this. So, but what's really interesting here is what he says. And it may, it may be often overlooked. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. This is radical. Do you know who drew water? When David talked about there was a cistern 
uh, there in Bethlehem, and there could have been a well or something out there. But do you know who drew water for the Israelites? It was the foreigners. And if there weren't any foreigners in the field, guess who was next on the ladder? The women. Men never drew water. Particularly when you were out, out working in the field. Men would not do that. And Boaz says, look, I want you to go and get water that the men have drawn. Boaz is, this is radical thinking here. I like what Hubbard said. Uh, this, is, this, is one of the, this is one of the cisterns or wells uh, that, that might have been where the, where the men would go and draw water. But I like what uh, Hubbard says in his commentary. What an interesting touch. I want you to see what's happening here. What an interesting touch. A foreign woman who customarily would draw water for the Israelites was welcome to drink water drawn by the Israelites. Can you just imagine Ruth's heart? You know, the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Can you imagine Ruth? Even in her own country, she's thinking, we don't treat foreigners well at all. And I'm here. And I'm invited to drink from what an Israelite has given me rather than me having to go and draw the water. You know, what I see happening here on a larger scale is that God, and you know Jesus Christ came from the line of Ruth too, Ruth was King David's great-grandmother, uh, great-grandmother. He is establishing now the line, but what it took to get to this point was nothing other than faith. And we'll get to that in just a minute, and you'll see it on a bigger scale. But what's happening here is she is being integrated into the nation of Israel. She's able to go and drink this water that was drawn by men, unheard of in that culture, unheard of. The women did that. Boaz, Boaz is thinking outside of the box. Do you know why? Boaz, it, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes how a man looks at women and how he perceives women and how he treats women. Young men, if you are not married, I want you to learn this today. Those who may be watching by Facebook, that you are to treat women with respect because it says volumes about who you are as, as, a, as a person. And here we have Boaz, who not only says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to have my women do this. I'm going to go countercultural here, and I'm going to have you men that are strong. I want you to go draw the, wimp, the water for the women, and then you put it in there so that the women are taken care of. Boaz was a man of respect, integrity, and honor. And they had the added, bonus, uh, the, uh, added benefit of being wealthy. Do you think God blessed him? 
he did. So Ruth is now thinking about all of this. And we get to her response in verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing forward. This is what it means in the Hebrew. And hopefully I'll be able to get back up when I get down. <laughs> like this, with her head touching the ground. That's what it means in the Hebrew, to drop to your knees and put, lay yourself down where your head is touching the ground. She knows what grace is. Grace will always drive you to your knees. And this is exactly what's happened. She can't believe that this is what's going on. He, God has, has come in and has taken care of her needs. And she, her response was to fall on the ground and bowing, Hevavhe, Hevavhe. It means to lay flat on the ground out of respect, not necessarily worship, but to respect the person. But I'm going to go one step further and say that not only is she doing this for Boaz, but I believe in my heart, based on what Boaz says later here, that she is worshiping Yahweh. That she had seen the grace of God. She shouldn't even be in this position. But remember, she just happened to be in Boaz's field. Just happened. That divine providence. She knew that God was in charge. She knew that God was there. And so her only response to just this simple kindness was face down before Boaz and worshiping. Hmm. You know, when was the last time any of us got down on our knees to thank God? Do you know how blessed we are? Do you know how blessed we are as as people of God, it, it really hit me to think that she was excited about being able to pick up some grain and drink water. And I thought, wow, I get unhappy every time something like an internet goes out or and I started thinking, wait a minute, God, I need to start thanking you. This is symbolic of, of gratitude, and we all struggle with it. Uh, this is something that we all struggle with. But she realized grace. Listen to this. She realized grace because she experienced grace. When we truly experience the grace of God, it makes a change in our hearts. So here she is falling down, and then she goes on to say, and she said, well, she's laying down on the ground in front of Boaz. She didn't stand up. She's just, text doesn't say that she stood up. So she's just laying there on the ground, and she says, why have I found favor 
she said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? This is beautiful. This is beautiful language. That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. The word favor is the word hin. It has seven different meanings. It can mean charm. It can mean ornament. But do you know what it means here? Let me say it to you this way. And she said to him while she's still laying on the ground, why have I found grace in your eyes? You know, there's throughout the Bible, the Bible says those that humble themselves, God exalts. I'm seeing grace. She's got it. This Moabite girl is now on board with Yahweh. Why have I found favor in your eyes? The next one, uh, I want to I give you this verse. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. <laughs> is God not now supporting Naomi and Ruth? And by the way, the days of bitterness for Naomi are gone. We talked about that in chapter 1. But now God sees this. Think about it. God's looking down at Ruth. She's laying out and she's thanking Boaz for coming into her life and obviously thanking God for this blessing. Do you not think that God sees that? Oh yeah, God sees that. God sees it every time that we're broken in our hearts. He sees it. And she says a beautiful phrase here. I want you to think about this because in, internalize it the best that you can. Listen to this. That you should take notice of me. The phrase literally means this. That you should notice the unnoticed. Let me say this. God is near to the brokenhearted. God is near to the downcast. God is near to the poor. God is near to the lowly. God is near the destitute. God does not like pride. He loves humility. And in that humbleness, God exalts those who are laying before him, thanking him. See, what we have here is a spirit of gratitude to God. Ultimately to God, you see, Boaz is definitely a follower of Yahweh. He is definitely uh, on page with everything that God has for, for his life, and he is living it. And so now Ruth is getting the benefit of his godliness. Remember this. Strong support for those who love him. But not only does God meet his needs, it's as we live for him and character. I hope this is maybe drawing out some things that you haven't noticed before. Verse 11. But Boaz answered her. So this young Moabite woman is laying before him. And Boaz answered her, 
all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your own husband has been fully told to me. There are several thoughts here. I'm going to give you four of them. First of all, Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law. Do you remember when Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people, my people. That was very kind. Secondly, Ruth was courageous. She had no legal or moral obligation to Ruth once her husband died. There was a decision. Orpah, who said, I don't want to go, but then after Naomi kept pushing the issue, pushing the issue, she said, okay, I will go back. And she kissed her mother-in-law, and she turned back to Chemosh, to her family, and to uh, her mother and father, and she walked back. And you know what? That's perfectly acceptable because there was no more ties between Orpah and Naomi. Her husband had died. Not that there wasn't ties, but that the mother-in-law said, go back to your mother's house. You remember we talked about that? Go back and get married. Live your life. Have a, have a good life. So she did what was rational. Ruth did what was beyond rational. Ruth did what was irrational and not natural. Ruth made the decision, and she told Naomi in no uncertain terms, stop it. I am going back with you. She was a woman of courage. Can you imagine turning your back on the god Chemosh? That's not the issue. But turning your back on your family, your friends, the homeland that you've known. Just turn your back on them and say, I'm going to stick with you closer in this life than anything. And when I die, I'm going to be buried right where you're buried. That was irrational. Because she's coming into Israel as a foreigner. With, with very little prospects that an Israelite would actually want to marry her. But what we have here now, by the grace of God, is that Ruth is being integrated into Israel to put her in prime position. Remember this, God knows your life. He knows where you are, and he will direct your path, and he will take care of you. You do not need to worry about that. Now, thirdly, Ruth was a woman of integrity. You know how people talk in cities, how we talk in small communities. But it says, all that you have done for your mother-in-law has been fully told to me. So it wasn't just like one person. This is in a sense of a, of a community. Hey, did you hear about Ruth the Moabite? Man, she's just, she's come in here and, and she left everything. She pulled back and went and went away so she was really a woman of integrity this verse worked on me this week better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who walks in his wicked ways um, Ruth was poor Boaz was rich but he was far from a crooked man he was a godly man hmm He goes on to say this, And how you left your father and mother and your native land 
to come to a people that you did not know. Okay, so what we see here is she was also a woman of faith. She was a woman that was kind to her mother-in-law. She was a woman that was courageous. She was a woman of integrity. And she was also a woman of faith. And actually, one of the commentaries said, and I, I agree with him, this really is a form of when God told Abraham to get out of your country and follow him to a land that I will show you. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 4. Ruth did exactly the same thing. And by the way, when we trust in Jesus Christ, we have the faith of Abraham. Paul says that, that we have the faith of Abraham. So this all stems back to Abraham, but the fact is she walked away from her family. She just left, went, and then she went this way with an interesting dilemma ahead of her. But she did it by faith. Lastly, verses 12 and 13, we're going to focus on community. Now notice what Boaz says to her in verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and full reward be given to you by the Lord. Listen to this, the God of Israel. Here we go. Draw water. I've heard about you. And now, I'm going to ask that the Lord, the God of Israel, bless you. Integration. Integration. The word here, repay, is shalem. That sounds a lot like shalom, right? Shalem, shalom. They sound very, very close. By the way, uh, Two branches of this word refer to wholeness and peace. So it is, in a sense, a, a cousin of shalom. But this is shalim. And shalim means to make restitution. That sounds so New Testament. Often we associate repayment negatively, right? God will repay what you have done. God will smite those, and that's true. That's absolutely true. But we look at the word of repayment and restitution in a negative sense. But did you know in the positive sense, the Scriptures teach in the New Testament that we will be rewarded for what we have done? Paul says in Corinthians, whether good or bad, you're going to be rewarded. But it's good. Here it is, it is good. Boaz is saying, look, because you did this, because you acted like this, I'm asking that the Lord, the God of Israel, the one true God, Yodehaveh, I'm asking that he repay you for what you have done. Sounds to me like somebody is starting to become an Israelite. Yeah, she's a Moabite, I get that. But ultimately, Boaz is just pulling her in because he sees that her heart is bent towards God. He says it right here in just, in just a minute. Hold on, suspense. He's going to say it. By the way, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. This is kind of mind-boggling. 
Because here you have Ruth that has very little, yet she is going into the field working, collecting what she can, and she's taking it back to her impoverished mother-in-law. That's the poor lending to the poor. Here, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. You don't think Boaz knows this? Oh, yeah. Boaz knows Yahweh. And he put it on his heart to take care of them. And God just blessed Boaz. I can see why God blessed Boaz. He was a good man. He was a godly man. He was a gracious man. And showing out here. And not only that the Lord repay you, but a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Oh, then he understands now, not only just a reward, but I want God, Yahweh, to bless you abundantly to the max. But then he recognizes that this young Moabite woman loves Yahweh because listen to what he says right here. This is the crux of it. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It wasn't Boaz that she was running to. It was the under the wings of God that she was seeking her refuge, her strength. And I believe in all of my heart and all of my fiber that at this point, Ruth is more of an Israelite than some Israelites because she was running and Boaz recognized it. He knows that when she was on the ground that that was, that, was, that was good to do, but he's got to see something in Ruth that says, no, no, you've run under to take refuge in the wings of God. Hmm. Yeah. Ruth is a woman who loves, and Boaz recognized this. It's funny that as she lived her life, he just picked up on it. People should be able to pick that up in our lives. Look, our security, our security is not in this world. Our security is in the arms of God. That's where our security is. We do not trust the things of this world. We do, not, uh, we do not believe in the things of this world. What we believe in and who we run to and who we under the shelter of is the wings of God. That's where we run. And there's a good verse for this. Proverbs 91.4 He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. And the rampart is a wall of defense. And Boaz says to Ruth, this is your life. You're not looking so much to me. You're looking to God and I can see it in your life. Wow. Now let me say this. If you are weary this morning, if you are weary, and you are tired and you don't know what's going to happen next in your life I want to encourage you as your pastor to run and seek shelter under God's